What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse, and for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate! Demons bliss now! Dr. Butt, come on! There's rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur blossoms? God put those here to test our faith. A damn lie! I, I saw them on my own eye! Did I accuse just... Drop sharply while I was away. We did it illusions, man. None of it is true. I'm not insane. This is mass madness, you maniac. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. Welcome back to the Deep Share Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Tonight, I have returning guest, one of my favorite episodes that I ever did, Mr. David Charles Plate. How's it going, man? Going good. How are you, sir? Good. It's really good to have you back, man. And, uh, you know, we talk often here and there, and and uh, I, I reached out to you a couple weeks back because I just saw something random online. And I grew up with the Beatles. I love the Beatles, you know. And I, I was always like, I found them very mysterious and, you know, that was probably on purpose, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think I asked you something offhand about like the whole Paul's dead, uh, conspiracy. And you just immediately were like, that's like a small thing. Like, that's like a small piece of something much bigger. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. Well, (laughs) and here we are. And I think it would be fun to talk about that kind of stuff, you know, totally to to qualify that a bit better yeah i would say that basically there's a a friend of mine patrick svek and he got involved in in the sync community whatever over over 10 years ago or something and he came to it through the route of the paul is dead rabbit hole stuff and so that's where he and he had done like so much like i i I would say serious research into the paul is dead thing (laughs) and uh online he introduced me to a group of people who were largely older uh, some of whom had been at this like since the 60s. So wow. this what so this rumor of Paul McCartney being dead goes back to the time when the Beatles like dropped off for like it was something crazy like a year or something at the height of when they were first coming up. Mm-hmm. And so like you know if you watch like the the Rotten Apple thing or whatever, there's like these different documentaries. And it used to be like on YouTube. It's like the earliest days of YouTube. It would just be there were so many videos on like the Paul is dead trip wow. and like and you know and they get into Crowley and they get in all this stuff. Some of that actually has backing. Some of it is a stretch. And mm-hmm. so, but anyway, there's this group of older people. And what tripped me out was that like none of them thought that Paul McCartney was dead. Like there were like some of them would be like open to the possibility that Paul McCartney died, but what they were all way more open to and some of them really insistent is that uh, that basically there was a specific periods of time in which uh, they had overwhelming mounting evidence that there was at least more than one Paul. So they believed that there was a stand in. 
And it was after that year where he had that hiatus. I think the first bit of footage that came out after he, like people thought that the Beatles may have broken up like during that time. They're like, what is going on here? Paul disappeared to his Scottish mansion or something, right? Right. So actually the, from what I understand, people can correct me if there's something up because anything I talk about today, like I might not know. And I'm totally (laughs) open to that. I'm just like, I'm like anybody just trying to figure things out. And so, but apparently the first bit of footage of Paul after a long hiatus was in Africa. And if you look at that, that footage, that's the first time where these differences are apparent, uh, ear line to nose line, uh, his eyebrows, like, and a lot, you'll see his, his height, like there's all these issues. And, but the thing is the kicker, and this is why these people believe this so strongly that there was a stand in is that the differences stay consistent. And so they thought that there was at least one Paul. There could have been two extra Pauls. Like, in, like there's at least one other Paul. And there may have been another one. And so, like, uh, I... So they... Did he want to take a break? Did he think that he that he was done and then wanted to come back? I don't freaking know. Oh, um, man. Yeah. So it's almost like a quite a mundane spin, almost, mm-hmm. where it's like, uh, yeah, it wasn't him sometimes, but it was because this dude's rich as fuck and he wanted to take a break or something. <laughs> Maybe. So this is the thing is that it's it's all speculation. But what we is what we can see. And so these are people who have gone through like every freaking available fo- photo of the Beatles, like all th- throughout their career. And uh, and they noted those differences with Paul, and then they they are very specific amounts of time. There's also issues with Paul lying repeatedly, and so where you can basically you can you can prove that he lied over really weird things. Like one of them was that moped accident. So there, there he, the story went is that you know he chipped his tooth, and so in a moped accident. Mm-hmm. And the story that he told at first was that the moon was full. And that he was distracted by how full the moon was. But then when you look at like the that when his tooth got fixed and like that that interim and the time in which he gives for it to have happened, it was a new moon. So it's just like, are you for real? Like, and then his story would change. And so you could almost like there was people that had like blogs where they almost like put Paul on the stand with his own quotes contradicting himself. And it's Whoa. like, why are you lying about this stuff? Like, we don't right. even necessarily know why he lied. We just can just see that he lied. And, and it could so, have been like mismemory. It was like <laughs> maybe, kind of like, but, yeah, but that's a weird mismemory to be like the moon was so bright it distracted me. Yeah, and then it's a new true. moon. That's not like a mismemory. That was his explanation for why he got in the accident. Right. And so you know, and the chip it, the chip oh. tooth went back and forth a couple times. Like he would do a oh, concert. And then you're like, well, maybe they put a filler in there or something, you know? It's yeah. like it's possible, but I don't know what dentistry was like in the in the 60s at that time and stuff. But yeah, right. Weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta think, uh, which president got rushed to a dentist appointment in the 50s? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I don't it, know. Got, it was Eisenhower. Oh, was that, <laughs> yeah. that was the infamous like alien meeting where they you know they, they met <laughs> aliens they shook hands and stuff but no it was just a dentist appointment or something who knows but uh in the spirit of sync yeah. it's very interesting that there is a very famous bigfoot encounter which was disputed years after it came out publicly and it was all because of the moon, because the people, mm. psychos like us, went back and checked the dates. Right. And it was like, oh, interesting that the moon would not have been full at all. It would have been a new moon. 
So that's interesting. Mm, similar kind of thing, huh? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you shoot that to Lauren Coleman. Do you know Lauren Coleman? I've heard the name. Maybe you have mentioned him to me. I don't know. He's a he's a friend of mine. He's like the at least online. Uh, he actually named me Synchro Mystic of the Year in 2017. That's yeah. You <laughs> did tell me. About it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, awesome. but that guy's the world. Well, whenever anyone brings up Bigfoot, I bring up Lauren Coleman because as cool. far as I know, he's like the world's leading researcher on Bigfoot. He's written like a stack of books all on Bigfoot. I think yeah. I have heard him on podcast then because I listen oh, that's to possible, yeah. a weird oh. amount of Sasquatch podcasts. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. If you go, if you go down the Sasquatch uh, rabbit hole, you're going to come across Lauren Coleman. He's a cool. Yeah, guy. That's cool. But um, yeah. So yeah. And as far as like what you're saying of like bigger picture stuff, I mean, that there, there's instances where you can see the Beatles kind of like like behind the scenes when they're the way that they would talk about certain things, basically making people go crackers is mm-hmm. an is an absolute interest of the Beatles. So they can make people go go like wait a minute here, you know, like they like to mess with people in that way, you know. They're Absolutely. they're they're ch- ch- total tricksters. And so that idea of them like you know, this is the issue is like when you if, if you say, you know, Paul McCartney's dead, there's indication that the Beatles were at least largely responsible for pushing that rumor and if it wasn't the beatles per se it was their production company or what what you know their label or what you know i guess their label is them it's apple i don't know who's how things work like that but mm-hmm. you know um they're yeah. they're you know uh they have people kind of like publicizing them and doing all this kind of stuff so it makes sense as a publicity deal and then it would also make sense that if they went that route because they were just on one that paul himself may have really regretted it <laughs> been like actually i don't want people to think i'm dead you yeah, know right. like you may not have had the foresight to be like i'm gonna be doing this 40 50 years from now do i want everybody <laughs> just thinking i'm freaking this isn't the real me you know like i don't yeah. know so yeah well, it's interesting. But, uh, too, yeah, they're definitely like the Beatles are not- notorious for that. It's such an interesting uh, prank to play, too. I mean, it's it goes. I don't know. We, we brought up Crowley earlier and it's like, yeah, this is definitely like interesting death cult stuff. It's like, OK, let's put this big death idea uh, of a heartthrob of millions out there into the world it almost seems like ritualistic in a way i mean maybe i'm just right. grabbing though right well where are the crowley connections i mean they put crowley in the upper left corner of uh sergeant pepper which we know right. is a grave from the person who made that cover in an interview and then he tried to take it back right afterwards he referred to it himself as a grave and okay. then he was like a grave yeah the cover of sergeant pepper and so there's uh, there's actually just talking about Sar- Sar- the cover of Sergeant Pepper like that's a that's a huge crazy long conversation really but you know the the, the different characters that were in it originally it had Hitler in it and uh, the, their explanation for who was in it the... oh so obviously he couldn't stay um, but then right. to ha- still have Crowley in there is is interesting I mean maybe he just kind of maybe to them like represented like you know the the real like you know free love do without wilt kind of like you know oh that Uh, whatever i don't want to make excuses for it because i don't know what the hell but what i will say is that there's other instances where the beatles connect to crowley uh one of which is that i have to ask patrick but there was one there's an interview with one of the beatles it may have been paul where um or maybe it's john actually where anyway uh back masking so the beatles were the first band to do back masking where you have this you know backwards message thing 
And so like, even beyond message, like we just know it's not, this point isn't debatable that like on magical mystery tour, they had backwards little clips and stuff. Right. So like, you know, there's the one, I think at the end of, you know, freaking I am the walrus or whatever, where there's, there's some, some backwards stuff happening. And so they were asked about that and they said that they got the idea from William S. Burroughs. They were hanging out with Burroughs and Burroughs suggested it. And the thing about that is we know that Burroughs was a, was very open Thelemite. Uh, I don't think you could consolidate him to say he that like that's all Burroughs was because he took no. from all kinds of places. You know, he's a it's like saying Manly P. Hall was just a Freemason. <laughs> exactly. And so but we do know that she he uh, read a lot of Crowley. Oh, yeah. um and it i i think it's book four uh i i might be mistaken uh the magic and theory and practice um where he crowley advises uh playing phonograph records backwards and learning to practice to speak backwards and to read backwards and to speak backwards and there's actually an interview with john lennon where he talks about uh, how into speaking backwards he got where he would like be on a trip or something. He's looking at the road signs and he's just practicing saying them back. There's actually a couple instances of interviews with John Lennon where he would just make like a weird sound, like in the middle of his talking, like he would just come out with something. And if you play it backwards now, you can hear that he literally would speak backwards every so often. Like it wasn't common, but he did, he did do that from time to time. And he talked about him doing that from time to time. So it's right. not a speculative thing. He was very direct about learning to trying to practice to learn to speak backwards. So yeah, it's, it's often not necessarily that it's being hidden. It's it's that it is out in the open. It's it's people don't understand why it's happening, you know, and they don't look into possibly what the roots of these things might be. And if it's Thalema and Crowley, then that just opens the floodgates onto what that could mean. And yeah, I mean, I think I've heard you rant, not rant, but like you and someone else talk about Sergeant Pepper's cover. We could get into that if we had time. I mean, if the Paul is dead thing is, is like kind of a dead end then yeah we could absolutely have time to get into other things about the beatles and shit like that you know like i yeah. said kind of go wherever we want here um <laughs> so like everything is to the best of my recollection and there's probably specifics i didn't retain but i i do know that there's an extremely strong argument that uh, i might be pronouncing the name wrong but era 11 ira 11 the person who wrote rosemary's baby okay. uh and boys from brazil and a bunch of stuff that uh, they were in a uh, department or whatever, uh, like there was a university. So the university that he went to um, was like his department, his writing department was the first known place where somebody pitched that Paul McCartney was dead at the time when he was there. And so hmm. it's anonymous, though. So that piece of writing was written anonymously. So it's super speculative, but at the same time, that's pretty ridiculous. If you know yeah. all the all the 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 lines between like Rosemary's Baby and the and the Beatles, like Mia Farrell was with the Beatles right before production started for Rosemary's Baby in India uh, with Prudence. And so the second song on the White Album is Dear Prudence. That's about Mia Farrell's sister saying to her that she got so into medica meditation medication that was a Floydian <laughs> slip but yeah. that but that she uh she was just uh completely consumed by it and so that song is kind of the Beatles saying like hey 
come out of the world stop you know just like closing yourself off and trying mm. to get somewhere with meditation because there's more to life than that you know wow, and I never so it's, it's, yeah it's this kind of plea to mia pharaoh's sister and so yeah there's a million rabbit holes around rosemary's baby and the beatles anyway and so the fact that era 11 was in that department or whatever like that's a, that's a rabbit hole that i would encourage any listener they want to like I would love to to get the fact checks on that, but because that was years <laughs> ago, I went into that, and I think it, I think that that came from Patrick. And if he he should have been here for this conversation, actually, if we're oh, going to talk man, about the Beatles, you know? because he's he's so helpful. Although he 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 lives in another country, I, that's always a pain in the ass. Exactly, but I, um, I try to uh, Czech Republic, I believe, sometimes with multiple time zones, it's yeah, it's a pain. So. Yeah, if you look at the the cover of of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, um, you'll notice that I have to look at it right now. Maybe we should pull it up. Yeah, can you look actually, at it? Can you, can that's you a great idea. Okay. Yeah, I can pull it up. I'm so not as also, as Andreas though. <laughs> you you can you can actually find the the making of this uh, cover where they actually these are these are like life size cutouts basically that are all propped up to make to make that image okay. it's not like just like a collage on paper or whatever it's literally like they set all this up and so um if you look uh behind one of them who is it ringo or something you can look on their shoulder there'll actually be a, a slight outline of um what is his name um curry was it it's not tim curry that's <laughs> horror and whatever but it's something curry the the the, the shooter in um Kubrick's the killing so it's a they the Beatles used it like a screenshot cutout of the guy with his gun out when it was aimed at the horse in the killing so I don't know if you've ever seen the killing where they kill a a, a racehorse I did uh, a long time ago I don't remember yeah, it's a, it's, a, it, it's a heist well you don't really need to necessarily but it's that guy with his gun out and so um yeah here we go I don't know who that guy is oh, that they nice. circled there. It's a real but, shame. Uh, it's a close up here. So, um, yeah, so it's actually o over by uh, George. Okay. It's just part of it. There's like a little outline on his sh shoulder. You can right barely there. see it. And the only reason I know what is there um, is because um, it's in the making of it. And you can see where they placed it. And so, like, that's interesting. They have Karl Marx there too. I forgot about that. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, th this is the 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 gun is aimed to the left, and I believe that's that's at uh, Paul. So oh. that's the thing. And so, and it's it's also like it's it's Kubrick's The Killing. And so there's something weird too. Like um, when you listen to uh, uh, Double Fantasy, which was John Lennon's last album before he died, right? That Mark David Chapman signed before he shot him or, or that he signed for Mark David Chapman before he, he shot him. Um, you know, that there's a version of that album called Stripped Down uh, that is, you know, Double Fantasy Stripped Down. And if you listen to the end of the last song on, uh, on that record, which is uh, Hard Times Are Over, uh, he actually said, he, he quotes um the the godfather where he says make him an offer he can't refuse and then he has like kind of like a ha 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 and so like so that movie came out not that long before in the 70s or whatever before um the release of double fantasy mm -hmm. and what is that line in reference to in the movie 
what is how does he make him that offer that he can't refuse well he cuts the head off of his horse. of his prized horse and so and there's weird shit like you know the shining is the book is named after um the john lennon song instant karma with we all shine on right and so like the, the when you open up the book the shining you know uh stephen king dedicates that to his son joe king which i think is really funny anyway to name your son like joking but it's <laughs> joe king and he says who shines on and so there, there, it came, I, I think it was three months, maybe five or something. I have to check, but uh, between when The Shining came out and the death of John Lennon, and so like you, it, oh man. So wh the, what's the thing? Red Rum was the name of a famous racehorse from that time, not just like a fan, like a big time famous racehorse. Was, Before was, the book. Uh, was it before, the, be, before yeah. the book when the film came out or whatever? I don't even, I'd have to look at the book again to know because there's so many differences, but it's probably Red Rum in the book as well. I mean, it's 217, not 237 in the book and stuff like that. That's very true, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, it's just, this. I've never heard anyone mention this. I came across this just looking at the making of this photo where it's like you have this Stanley Kubrick shot and it's like, of all the images to use, like he's got his gun pointed and they just like, they wanted him in there, but you don't even, you can't even really see it there. You can just see right. like a shoulder, but like you wouldn't know that unless if you looked at behind the, you know, how they put this together. It's so freaking weird. I wish I could find, I tried to look for that before I showed this image, but I couldn't find it. Oh, the making of stuff. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a website that's like, you know, the, you know, I don't know if you type in the making of or behind the scenes or something like that. This might be it. It's, oh no, that's just, Oh, there we go. Yeah, just look. Um, Story behind the iconic cover. Yeah, check art. it out. Yeah, to see, it's probably one of the top ones. Should be there. Scroll down and get images from behind the scenes. Probably here. No, no, no. Wah. Oh, yeah, wait, there it is. Not... The making of a masterpiece. Maybe yeah, this is it. Yeah. Come on, come on, give us something. I don't think we're don't, getting what we're looking for. <laughs> nope. Frozen. Oh, am I frozen again? <laughs> oh, I can't hear you. Oh, you can't hear Lost me now? Audio. Man. Oh, now, yeah, I can hear you. now you can hear me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't right. see it. Okay. That would be cool. Yeah, I couldn't find it. That's all right. It's there. You can you can it's... you can take my word for it or if anyone yeah. can look it up. This is actually oh, pretty yeah. easy to prove. So yeah, along with all the other edgy stuff in there, like alien <laughs> stuff, and it's like it's weird. Yeah, you said that's like a really long tale about everything involved in that. I mean, I was already seeing like the symbolism on uh, the patches and everything on their uniforms probably point to a lot of different things. Yeah, dead on arrival is what people say. I think there's a DOA patch, isn't there? Oh, interesting. I thought I saw the seal of Lucifer as well. Or maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I can't remember. It's been, it's been a while. Yeah, oh, really? I don't, oh, I don't yeah. But, let me go back uh, yeah, to that real quick. Let me see if I can. It's so fucking small. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna get to the bottom of this because I want to see if I'm, I'm right on this or full of shit. Um, okay, so you see this right here on George's. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that does kind of look like that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? That symbol. Totally. It's, it does kind of look like that. Yeah. Oh sure, sure. It looks it looks Lucifer. like the Lucifer sigil. Yeah, yeah. Oh Jesus, I'm, <laughs> I'm zoomed in. Yeah, come on. Say, say, See, say look how slow sigil. my internet is going. So it's clearly me. Mm, yeah, I can't even load images on Google. What the hell, man? 
Oh no! Yeah, my no, internet no. says it's totally fine. Oh well, I can, I can see it there to the left. Yeah, the there side. it is. Yeah, we got we got like one image that is like dead on. Oh shit! I mean, it's not. Maybe it's not dead on. No, that's pretty. That's pretty close. It's pretty close. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I don't know what I got. I, I, it's, it's funny. It's funny though, because like when you when we're doing a, like a comparison with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, for yeah. me, it's just a total corollary. So it's like it's not like like so I I feel like it's like the scarabs and the rolling dung balls or something because it's like they're just play, the be, the Rolling Stones are obviously playing off of the Beatles more than the Beatles are playing off the Rolling Stones so we know who the front runner is but like you know uh, their Majesty's Satanic Request uh, was released on December eighth uh, I think nineteen sixty seven you could check that but. Um, the point is, is that it was released the same day and year as the EP for the Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, and so really? that album, Their Majesty's Satanic Request, includes all four Beatles hidden on the cover. You know, it's a it, the cover is a play on Sgt. Pepper. Oh and so, God. like, yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty funny. That is nuts. But, uh, There's so much I don't know. Yeah, I can see that in this cover. That's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean the scarab they're scarabs and they're like ro the rolling stones. Like I could just see the beetles pushing the rolling stones, you know. Like, yeah, I didn't even know this existed. I'm sure some listeners are like, obviously. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, this is like a, a a moving image. So like if you have the 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 real original cover of this you turn it and it shifts you know it's right. like one of those psychedelic covers you know oh man so tools anima wasn't the first one to do that <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> uh but yeah so it's it's um you can see that there's this kind of like this psychedelic interplay between the two bands where it's like they're kind of they're on the, they're on the same um you know trajectory or whatever you know and they're they're both you know kind of, they weren't that far away from each other they started around the same time you know you can see there's like some video of mick jagger years later at some awards event or whatever where they're honoring them they, they describe when they first heard of the beatles and how like weird that was and they were like who are these guys there's four of them what's happening you know it's like you know <laughs> yeah, that's wild yeah it's, it's weird to hear like people say that like all these guys are agents and they're like the whole british music invasion was all like this big plot and everything and then you listen to the musicians and it's super organic and i wonder do you right there's some, there's, some, there's, some, there's some definite orchestration but yeah. a lot of a lot of that stuff is just like really like dare i say artistic like they were they were really like just like playing with different things and like right. You know, kind of just yes. Yeah, I don't know how nefarious all of that is. Is there is there nefarious elements? That's not out of the question. Yeah, right, you right. know. But I think that like most <gasps> of the stuff candy. that you come across, but it, it gets weird because you're like also like there is synchronicity, like it's a thing, you know. And yeah. so and it started with a beetle, you know, for young, like young coined the term synchronicity over a beetle. In fact, RFK Jr. just talked about that in an interview towards Whoa, the end what? with uh, Lex Friedman. So yeah. Yeah, that no, just happened. 
RFK, like since the origin of the term synchronicity, just like recently. And it's it's basic stuff. But just to even hear that from any politician is like, are you fucking for real right now? You're going off about synchronicity. That's awesome. That's so crazy. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with this. I was like, you know, that idea of it all being agents. Um, it, I wonder how much of that is actually a synchronicity that people are taking for conspiracy theory, because it is there's like a distinction between the two almost. Is conspiracy theory you have to have a group of individual human beings conspiring whereas like the synchronicity is completely out of everyone's hands and you know right. i'm a novice with this shit and you're a you're a veteran of the sync movement which i didn't even know existed until andreas brought me on a sync tank i was right. like i thought we all just liked synchronicity what what is this you guys are like sitting by computers <laughs> like freaking figuring it all out and everything and i it's it, i just love talking about it with you guys because it's just the perspective is so you guys just get it in a way that like a lot of us get lost in the weeds and we start blaming humans you know oh, what yeah. i mean and yeah, it's yeah. just it's just interesting right well they both happen and yeah. the, sometimes <laughs> finding the line between conspiracy and synchronicity or whatever is like they're often like lines in the sand because they like bleed into each other and so it's hard to know sometimes where one ends and the other begins and that's like if you like if you watch scott, scott onstott secrets in plain sight almost all that stuff is like that because you're like yeah you're looking at the measurement of like structures like around the planet and so a lot of that stuff you're like these are built by Freemasons. Like, obviously yeah, they're like absolutely. encoding stuff into it. Like that makes that, that is an undeniable fact. And at the same time, he'll get to the point where he's measuring the exact length of continents and shit, where it's just like in relationship from one building to another across the planet and how right. it gets, it just gets over the top where you're like, well, what are the, what is the actual probability of that? And then he'll tell you what the probability is. And we'll be like, astronomical out of this world yet is that what they did like where is the line and so you know like i just mentioned like the december 8th thing with um with Ma the magical mystery tour ep and their majesty's satanic request if you play their majesty's satanic request over the magical mystery tour movie it's fucking amazing and, and it's the only way i want to watch it now so like oh it's really God. fun but uh do that. <laughs> yeah, it's on it's on it's on the website uh, on syncbook.com nice. but um uh that's the anniversary of john lennon's death in reverse so like same thing like hotel california was released on uh december 8th of you know 1976 or something i think it might be the opposite like is it 67 and 76 or something? i'd have to check but yeah. like stuff like that where you're like well, this is, you know, and it's it's the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and then that makes sense with John Lennon's death with Rosemary's Baby, which is a movie about kind of like a clephotic Immaculate Conception, so to speak, and right. all that kind of stuff. It gets really weird, so yeah, I don't know. Wow. And I, there's another, there's a rumor about the, the cover of Hotel California, like someone on the cover or something I like that. I don't believe it. I've never seen, I never spotted what they're talking about. It's one, it okay, just okay. reminds me of like the, the midget heard. who hung himself in the Wizard of Oz or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, I don't know. Look closer, man. Just smoke another joint, you'll see it. Right. Maybe it, maybe it's there. I don't know. I, if we're talking about the same thing, I remember there being something like that, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm missing it. Yeah, yeah, I've but it, it's weird <laughs> enough as as it is. And there's a thing with um, something was recorded at what was a, a recording studio that was referred to as Hotel California that had to do with the Beatles, and so that people have taken Hotel California to actually be like some veiled Beatles reference somehow. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't. I, what whatever uh i mean it's not, 
it's not ELO. Like ELO had like very specific Beatles references, and also Yes did too. Like that, you know, time. Um, what is it? I've seen all good people turn their heads each day, so satisfied. That song's about John Lennon. Um, like they say over and over again, give peace a chance over and over, and then they're like, they'll, they'll, they're treating it like. The way that they explained it about John Lennon is they were like talking about people's intentions and how they were kind of like meditating on how like, you know, how, how you know, how tragic it is sometimes that people with the best intentions and, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know how good John Lennon's intentions were really, but that's what they said. Yes. But anyway, yeah. And then what, whatever. Yeah, there's um, there's different people that referenced uh, the Beatles in very specific ways. But yeah, yeah I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, but you know, there's like that thing where it's like when John Lennon was killed, you had three people there. You had Mark David Chapman, you had Yoko Ono, and you had John Lennon. Uh, Yoko is from Japan. Mark David Chapman's from Hawaii. John Lennon was from the UK and this was in America. Uh, war was declared on December 8th. What is that? 1942, right? 41, my retard. I think it's 42. Yeah, thank you. But, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor was December 7th. War was declared the next day. And so people have noted, I'm not the first to look at like, wow, we have representatives from Japan, Hawaii, Pearl Harbor, and the UK ally in America, you know? And so like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, that's a weird one. Yeah, it is. You have like these different com- components all kind of like merging in this, you know, and that's the thing is like these things start to feel like ritualistic. But one thing that I come back to is this idea that that Crowley used to say, you know, like you're doing magic anyway. You might as well just do it consciously. And like when it comes to ritual, like so much of our lives are just loaded with ritual, but we don't call it that usually. You know, it's just this is our routine or whatever, you know, but I would say like if you go to the movies, if you go to the movie theater and you buy a ticket and you sit down and the curtains open and you watch the the way because the way that uh, magical ritual is often described is very similar to a film. Like in the way that there's a there's a beginning, a middle and an end. It kind of you're going through a story. There's something very um, like theatrical about the enacting a ritual. And so like, I, I, and like this idea of like the rituals being half revealed, half concealed is something that's like, I've really related to in terms of like my own art, like of what I, what I do with the album film pairing stuff. Yeah. Like it just feels like a very good descriptor. Like the Dionysian thing is an even better descriptor of like, well, Dionysian theater, according, at least according to Nietzsche in his first book, that he wrote in his twenties, um, uh, the birth of tragedy from the spirit of music that there's this, he was looking at the movement of Dionysian theater into Apollonian theater and the way that the Apollonian is all about structure and rules and how the Dionysian is just kind of like all over the place. This is this freedom thing. And so, so Nietzsche argued that culture oscillates in kind of like even measure between these two principles of the Dionysian and the, and the Apollonian. And Mm -hmm. so when you look at his description of the layout of Dionysian theater, you have the play that people are watching on the stage that everyone's familiar with. Like they, there's only like 10 or 11 or something of these, of these tragedies that they, they watch over and over again. Like they have it memorized. And then between the stage and the audience is three different sections uh of uh, the Seder chorus 
and the, the Seder chorus is literally men dressed up as satyrs that are uh, performing music, drowning out to some degree the actual play that everyone knows what the play is. So they're literally like they'd speak to the like the subtext and like the inner thoughts of the characters who themselves are embodying uh, archetypes or, or gods, whatever you want to say. So like the actor is being asked to like call in these archetypes to help them with like so like example like oedipus is one of the more obvious ones like oedipus is totally relating like the what for the romans would be saturn and jupiter which for the greeks was like chronos and um zeus right no strike that reverse no that's right zeus oh, yeah, yeah. Was, jupiter and chronos and so this idea of like the 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 you know he kills his father and he takes over the pantheon this is relayed in the story of oedipus so the person the actor portraying oedipus rex would ideally be like integrating um you know basically uh jupiter or zeus into their performance and they want to embody that you know and they'd have the different the different gods that they embody in the story because the idea is, is that the gods actually are playing out through our goings on but that was something that i came across in my 20s you know nietzsche wrote that in his 20s and he kind of like puts it down like later in life like he it was like one of his least favorite pieces of writing almost like he wanted to denounce it but oh. i still feel like it's like the best thing he ever wrote you Sounds know like, bro it's aged all right it's aged yeah. well <laughs> yeah, it's good yeah and so it's it's i think the thing is that he may have felt that it was kind of like overly speculative or presumptuous or something like that whatever the case what if it's what the truth in it or not it really does speak to something and so like yeah. i feel like you could almost like go through that book and just every time that they've translated it as folk to talk about music, because uh, they're talking about the modern at the time application of the Dionysian throng. Mm -hmm. And so like all the people that were followers of Dionysus, like he treats it that like folk music is some other version of this same kind of principle expression. And so like for me, I feel like you could go through that book and just take folk out and make it rock and roll or something you know what i mean like well, you yeah, can make it yeah because it's translated anyway whatever you know what i mean like this is not the original term so <laughs> right yeah for the problem with that but <laughs> that's so interesting about like the chorus drowning out most of the the play itself it's like first of all i thought of like the silent film era sure where it's like oh that's an interesting parallel so maybe i from a layman's perspective, not even really paying attention to it. The silent film era sounds like, oh, okay, yeah, they couldn't figure out how to do dialogue in movies yet or something. <laughs> right. I don't, you know, just never paying attention to it. But now, like, in context with that, it seems very, like, cyclical and that it's, like, more Dionysian. It was yeah. like a return to a Dionysian kind of art style or something. And the yeah. uh, magical ritual aspect of it is, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, the idea of like drowning out the the play just feels ritually. <laughs> I don't know right. why. Well, they, that's the thing is that they know it so well. Right. And so that's the thing is like I, if, if, I, if anyone's ever going to watch one of my sync films, I, I recommend that if you know the album and you know the film. If you know the album it's better and if you know the film it's better like you're gonna have a better experience generally unless if you're really attached to like this is the only way to approach this thing whatever you know there's some movies that i feel like i want to play around with sync wise but i can't because i just love the dialogue so much you know it's like oh, with cool. nail yeah. my or something it's like i don't want to touch that like even if it's turns out this george harrison album just totally pairs with, with nail and I. it's like i don't want to bother with it because i like to watch that movie 
but uh yeah but there there, there's definitely something to be said for if you're watching a film on mute and you know the dialogue well enough it's like it doesn't matter because you're hearing it in your head as you're watching and then you can hear lyrically how it might be speaking to it so assuming that there's lyrics that you can kind of get a feel for how this applies you know like it's all about the meaning because that's the thing is that things will sync with each other no matter what that's 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 just the way things are I'm interested in when it goes, when it crosses a certain line and that line has to, is subjective because it has to do with the application of, of meaning, but it's, re- it can be relatively subjective. So what is it that distinguishes, distinguishes synchronicity from coincidence? According to Jung, it's the meaning. All yeah. the synchronicity is, is a coincidence with meaning. And then that's where it gets tricky. Cause you're like, is the meaning just subjective? And even if it is subjective, does that mean that it doesn't have like an objective, reality beyond your subjective experience so like yeah it gets it also like the subjective nature of it can just be you know enough information to be able to see what's what's being referenced and sometimes references can be so specific and you know enough information is just that's the way it is and then you can kind of bring in like this this idea of like the hierophantic task so like the the task of the hierophant is to initiate the masses as is the stated um uh, intention of Freemasonry is to illuminate the masses. Right. And so right. if all they're focused on is secrecy rather than mystery, Something are they really trying to, yeah, on. or they have their reasons, you know, because it, it makes right. sense when things had to be secret for periods of time for people to survive. So like literally for their, for their mystery school to survive. So if the church was literally killing you, you know, burning you at the stake or drowning you, whatever it is that they wanted to do, crucifying you or whatever the hell for whatever you were looking at, like, it makes sense that you had to keep that secret. Now, for the most part, is that where where we're at? For it, It is for some people, depending. But at the same time, if you come out with something, you can kind of, you know, that that itself can be a safeguard depending on your level of status in society, you know, because if you come out with a bunch of shit and it's like, it's heavy hitting and then you die the next day, at least you're going to raise some eyebrows. Not to say that they can't do that and get away with it, which they, which does go on, you know, right. but at the same time, there, there is a, there is a certain degree of safeguarding there. Whereas if you're just looking at it on your own, depending on what it is that you're dipping into, you know, you might be risking your life <laughs> depending on what it is. <laughs> oh my God. Oh crap. Yeah. I just like brain fired on this. <laughs> I was just like, that's so crazy, man. How, how it does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I like, I like Tracy Twyman's trip before she passed where she was talking about uh, in Rosemary's baby, the eyes, what'd you do to its eyes? She was relating to that, that, Hey, uh, Mia Farrow got pregnant while they were filming Rosemary's baby in real life. And there's actually a scene where she's crying in the movie where she was literally crying, finding out that she's pregnant and they left the scene in the movie. Uh, they're just like, oh, this, you know, plants is just like, this is perfect. Let's shoot, you know, yeah, yeah. and like she wasn't originally supposed to be necessarily crying in that scene. It's when she's having the party and she goes oh, off wow. in the other room or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, But she's crying because she does not just that she's pregnant and she has to deal with that because she didn't know whether or not it was Frank Sinatra's or Woody Allen's. Oh, and wow. like talk about like a uh, a big contrast between personalities <laughs> or whatever you know we can see now it was Frank's because yeah. you can look <laughs> at the kid's face and eyes and you can see who that is in there 
but right, yeah. you know she wasn't sure because she was seeing both of them and um so there's this question of like at the end when she's like it's eyes what'd you do to his eyes is it blue eyes you know or blue eyes, mm-hmm. you know because like eyes. yeah 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 so and, and i don't think it's that in the book in the book it describes the baby and it's got like flippers and it's hairy yeah, so it was to look really again graphic. it's super weird yeah, <laughs> it's so weird but uh the way that they emphasize that in the film i guess that was the way she was relating to it and why is that significant well he was frank sinatra was super involved with the catholic church you know what i mean like he couldn't have his wife being in this satanic film and so he actually filed for divorce the day that the the impregnation scene was filmed whoa and so that's a that's a little too much of a coincidence if you ask me like that's like pretty straightforward like he's like nope that's where i draw the line it's not it's not happening and uh, yeah and so then it begs the question if the mob was pissed off because let's be honest the mob and to a certain respect is like an arm of the catholic church and has been for a long time not that that's all it is but that's an aspect of the mob so if there was going to be some repercussions for what happened there do you think that it would go towards mia farrow or towards towards the person responsible for producing the film and so that opens up a bag of worms it doesn't mean that things didn't happen you know beyond that that had their own you know reasons for happening but at the same time it gets kind of weird when you're like that was that if if there had been uh, a real uh trial in the traditional sense um for manson uh and polanski in like 1980 uh both those cases would have blown the lid on a hollywood underground uh, Manson would have would have absolutely blown the lid. There's, as far as I know, there was no mention of Anton Levey in the court proceedings, despite the um, Susan Atkins actually, you know, having participated to some degree uh, in uh, rituals with involved with the church. At least, at least one that was actually filmed where she was like playing a vampire and got out of the coffin and like pointed at her next victim, and she was on acid. It's like that, like you're talking about a cult like you'd think that they would at least like bring that up and so the manson stuff with the beatles like if you wanted to discuss like the crazy synchronicity it's like he's manson right where did apple records come from like apple records is named after the son of man painting uh by what's his name madrid the um belgian surrealist painter yeah i don't know Ever <laughs> see that guy with the hat and he's got an apple head a green yes. apple head yes that's this, that painting is called the son of man so like and then you're like years later you're like apple computers buys apple records it's just like it's just it's there's there's weird elements there i'm just yeah. saying like you know uh and <laughs> like then there's said, it's like where's the line you know? <laughs> right and then supposedly the manson family door was it in the um in uh death valley like their hideaway spot like supposedly this is another thing i'm going to put out there but somebody needs to fact check it because i don't want to stand by this like in absolute terms but from what i understand the door had one two three four five six seven all good children go to heaven on it before the release of abbey road oh interesting. so where do they where do they get it you know that kind of that kind of thing and so like the photograph for the iconic photograph of abbey road was actually taken within 24 hours of sharon tate's death i believe before Jesus, man, I right. want that crosswalk. I know. Yeah, so they're wa- they're crossing a zebra crossing. She's killed on a zebra rug. Um, 
there's the white Volkswagen Beetle there to the left. <clears throat> you know, in Rosemary's Baby, there's Playmate of the Year 1968, the year that um, Rosemary's Baby was released, is the actress who died on, who in the film dies on the Volkswagen Beetle. So she she jumps to her death, she or fell to her death. She lands on the Volkswagen Beetle. That's where they find her. Oh. And actually within, uh, in that spot, in front of the uh, in in front of the Dakota, uh, when you go through the film, including that scene, you can actually find three other beetles in that vicinity. So, like, I think there's two others in that scene. If the, you look at the shots, the way that they do it, and I think they might all be white too. And so then there's another scene where they're in front of the place, and you can see it for a second. And actually, there's there's a point where um, you know somebody working at the hotel actually like they do it like a close up of his finger. And he points to the walkway and he actually points to the exact spot where John Lennon would later be killed. And like, it's, if you, you know that and you're watching it, you know, it is kind of poignant. It's like, whoa, he just yeah. like, totally like, yeah, it feels like subliminal stuff there, but it makes me uh, yeah. think of like, you know, 28 if on the license plate of the Volkswagen, like, mm-hmm. is that Paul or is that the act the, the character the you know like what what is that reference right to? right yeah totally and then it's this this is in this <laughs> weird way it's like John Lennon is like in the 27 club despite not having died at 27 because Mark David Chapman was writing chapter 27 for Catcher oh in the God. Rye holy crap yeah that's crazy jeez mm-hmm. man yeah no, it had no I mean I knew that there was stuff surrounding the Beatles like this and it like I didn't know a lot about like what it was. And I, I think it's funny that it turns out to be a whole lot of synchronicity, you know? Oh we're, yeah. We're all yeah. considering it all to be conspiracy. <laughs> totally. That's why I love that. It's like what RSK just brought up and it's in uh young synchronicity and a causal principle. It's actually towards the beginning where he explains how he coined the term. And for it, yeah, go over that again, Beatles. because we, you were cutting out. We were all, okay yeah, yeah no it was it was somebody there was I, I think it was a woman i might be mistaken but anyway it was somebody was doing the couch trip and he's he's sitting there and uh i think i have to look at the book again because i might have remembered it differently but i remember the point is that somebody was describing a scarab in a dream mm-hmm. laying there with their eyes closed and he broke protocol like you there's rules that you when you're you know playing psychologist you're not supposed to do certain things like you're not even supposed to get up but he gets up and he grabs the scarab that it like flew in the window or whatever and he he goes up to the person and says open your eyes and they're describing a scarab in a dream and he holds a beetle in front of them and they open their eyes and they see it and they have like this like kind of like reaction and he was like that's the inner and the outer meeting like there's no like and it's also an anomaly to even have a big beetle like fly and you know it's like northern europe or whatever what you know yeah, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make sense weird. right it's super <laughs> yeah, weird right <laughs> like, the inner and the outer meeting you know i've always loved that concept but i've never necessarily connected it directly to synchronicity you know we say a lot of language surrounding these things but that's really a good connection because and it made me think of a, a psychedelic experience I had. And if I can put this into words, I'll try my best. Is that patterns that were happening in my head suddenly leapt out of my head and became real events. Right. And that's a really, yeah, that's hard to even try to picture if you if you haven't experienced. But right. Still, well, partly what we're talking about here is just that where where like art imitating life and life imitating art and where is the line between. 
And like, right. how far can you go with that? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. So it's just, you know, it, it, it starts to get really, really crazy, you know? Um, yeah. but that's, I think my, my feeling is that we're not separate from, from nature. We are an expression of nature and patterns exist everywhere in nature. Like, like as described in Darren Aronofsky's pie he does a good job of that. Cause it's like, that's kind of what we're speaking to. It's like, where is that line between our goings on that are supposed to be so random and the orders that we know exist in nature? Yeah. And so like, I like to use media because media almost works as like, as like a snapshot. Like you can, you could have an insight that's personal and have your own revelation about the universe or the way things work or whatever. But the cool thing about media is it kind of allows you to like be able to visually communicate that to somebody almost like you can you can get a snapshot of something. And so that's what I try to do with the album film stuff. But at the same time, like there's a lot of those that I'm just like how this couldn't be intentional, like is just baffling. Like there's certain ones that I'm like, I can't even imagine, like because that seems to be the more the trippier more like Hoffman's razor, like the psychedelic explanation is right. the most likely, you know, like kind of like tr treatment of it because I, I can't like, so that's, that it's funny too, because different people will relate to one being more rational than the other. Mm -hmm. So they'll, tr they'll treat it that for this uh, things just happen that way. Like as though that that's more rational, like, right. Right. and you're like, well, okay, well, there, you know that there's like a backstory here. Like these people actually know each other or something like that. Like, not just, they like, like Marilyn Manson's Hollywood and the Holy Mountain from Alejandro Hodorowsky. Like that shit is so on point. And I didn't know when I paired them that Hodorowsky officiated Marilyn Manson's wedding. Oh my God. And that, and that there's a it dressed as the Holy Mountain figure with the hat and the whole deal, you know, like he did that. And then it's like, oh, and then he came out with this album afterwards. And then I find a quote from Alejandro Hodorowsky speaking to um that album as manson's magnum opus and i'm like whoa okay well what's you know because it could because it's syntax so it's like how i came to it like it would be one yeah. thing if i heard all of that and then i paired them and i saw what i saw but this is i paired them because i just saw the resonance right right it was natural. It does what it does and then after the fact i come to find out that there's this like really direct connection right. not just between the two people but that album specifically that's crazy yeah but that that there's a lot of examples of things like that i just had this i just revisited a sync that i had done years and years ago that i had lost in my my hard drive crashed uh, right or like within a couple days of uh my uh vimeo account being terminated and i lost a whole bunch of videos that i that i had put together like completely and i wasn't able to retrieve them i even brought the hard drive to a place and they were able to save some stuff for me but not most of my videos my videos were mostly lost that and sucks. anyway yeah but anyway this was that was a long time that was i don't even know 8 years ago or something and then uh maybe longer actually i think it was more like 2012 or something but anyway i uh i just put it together uh the other night 
and then it was like a second off and i had to redo the whole thing and re-upload it even though it's, it's you know but anyway it's up et and poltergeist with uh two mogwai albums and it's the mogwai album that mogwai song called stanley kubrick so oh. i have miss mr beast followed by the hawk is howling i don't know if you're a mogwai fan but i love Mogwai. i i've heard of i don't i'm, I'm not into it really but yeah yeah <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, you're aware to it and see what happens you know sure sure so but the thing is is that it's like dude poltergeist and et i didn't realize like i i just got two like 1080p original cuts like because they have like special edition et oh. where it's just like he's computer and it's annoying as hell yeah then they, they anyway. change the beginning where there's like walkie talkies instead of guns or something like that oh yeah some <laughs> but anyway so yeah so i i I, re- I put them together if you this is a fact anyone can do this if you take the original copies of et and poltergeist and you start them on the same frame you just align the bars so they're together the uh the credits will go to a standstill both of them at the same time and they will fade to black on the same second exactly Whoa. like to the same that's, frame that's not so you can like ever. go frame by frame and look at it and it'll go to black at the same frame yeah like, and you've done this so many times so you're telling us that this that's not a common thing that's not it's like, not a common thing for it to be that close i mean this isn't just close this is simultaneous those two films were like seven days apart six days apart one was oh, right. released on um, June 4th, 1982. The other one was released June 11th, 1982. I'll have to check on I which one. Realize, right. man, what a the, summer for horror. What a, t- what a year for horror. Because John right. Carpenter's The Thing came out that year and was basically mm-hmm. right around that time, wasn't it? I thought it was very close because I'm pretty sure Carpenter's movie got just totally destroyed by E.T. And it was, you know, no one went, no, no one went to see it. Mm. So it's no, interesting. interesting. I don't know if there's any, you know throwing it out there for any sink heads out there you know? yeah i mean they call it the summer of spielberg right that's what so because oh, he because he had you know had, i think there was a third one too that he released that summer oh, shouldn't it be uh, the summer of hooper then <laughs> well that's the thing is is that tobe hooper um cooper right yeah he or didn't hooper, he, hooper, yeah what am i saying it right yeah yeah did, toby hooper yeah toby is it toby not yeah to, okay um yeah he did he did before that um texas chainsaw massacre and then right after that he did life force and life force to me is a total clue because what is what is happening in both poltergeist and et the same thing is happening and in one it's a litmus test and in in one of them we treat as a family film and everybody loves et and the other one everyone's scared of the quote-unquote beast as Zelda Rubenstein refers to it in Poltergeist. So she goes to her as just another child to us. It is the beast. And so uh, there's, I, I love this topic. This is, this dude, is so dude, I love this too, but I don't know anything about it. Can you first go into a little bit more of how the same thing is happening? I mean, I'm sure I'll get sure. it, but I just don't see it. Sh- yet. Sh- sure. And not only does it, ha- is the same thing happening, but it's actually happening in the same point of the film. And they, the two will play off of each other in this really radical way. And so basically, you know, uh, when Elliot first meets E.T. and first starts communicating to him, yeah, he's young, it's late, he gets tired all of a sudden and starts yawning. Well, if you look at those two films, Poltergeist and E.T., the moment that he starts to get really tired and falls back is the moment where television set reads 237, Spirit enters the house through the TV while the parents and other kids besides Carol Ann are asleep, right? And so uh, E.T. drinks a beer later 
and Elliot feels it. Okay. Later on, E.T. is sick. Elliot's sick, right? E.T. is basically, uh, has every indication of being a succubus. So E.T. is literally using, he's like, it's almost like, um, you know, like hitchhiking or something. It's like he's using Elliot to adapt to Earth's conditions or whatever. And at the sake of Elliot, like, you don't even know. It could be like a vaccine. It's like, how's this going to affect Elliot years from now? You know what I mean? He just drained his life essence, but his life force. Because they say that that the, the, the entity is after Carol Ann's life force because she's so pure. Yeah. And then you have, and so she's the girl. And then you have the, this boy in ET. Uh, he's basically got this alien that's just like using him for his oh life. God, this right. is more my fucking <laughs> so, hairs on it. Right. So, so keep in mind too that ET and Poltergeist ultimately came out of the same script, even though that script reads more like Gremlins. So, like you know, it's at the beginning of Gremlins when it, on the marquee it says a boy's life. That's not just an homage to be like, oh, this is a Spielberg thing, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say uh, Rock and Ricky Ricardo or whatever his name like that is more of just like a straight Spielberg um, yeah. homage. But this is indicative that this script is coming from the same script that E.T. came from. That's why that's there, because E.T. was called A Boy's Life during production. I don't know if you knew that. So they changed it to E.T. later. That was just like they do. They do that. It's like, you know, Family Guy called their thing Blue Harvest or whatever, because that was the original right, yeah. for what was that Empire or something? I forget. Or was yeah. it the first one? Whatever uh, it is. Uh, yeah, I can't remember, but it was doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Higher, you you hope. And so, you know, th- this is there there is there's I I could go on for like ever about the <laughs> amount of parallels between E.T. and Poltergeist. They're 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 two sides of the same movie, but from two radically different perspectives. And so ba- ba- basically one and and so you know, what does E.T. go out as when they go out on Halloween? He goes out as a ghost. Yeah, like there's spirit. That's the that's the that's the point is that, you know, like Crowley said, they called them angels and demons and they might call them aliens now, whatever it is. It's like we're always dealing with the same beings. Whether you believe that or not, it's beside the point. This is an artistic communication that's like encoded into these two films. And originally you can look at Rick Baker's original from Industrial Light Magic. His original designs for E.T. are fucking terrifying because oh, he was wow. he was originally meant to be scary. Huh. And so they 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 decided to take this other family film direction. I'll piss people off on Twitter with Spielberg stuff. Cause like I watched Spielberg films since I was a kid. I got yeah. like they're incredible movies, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I also happen to feel, having seen what I saw in the Kubrick archives at Elephant and Castle, that Spielberg ignored ev- like every major, um, like, like what it was that Kubrick wanted AI to be that he stressed that he was very communicative over. And you can look, see that in the notes on the proposed screenplays that were pitched that he went over that he did not want a family film. This isn't a family film. This is a horror sci-fi movie, AI. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like from the get-go, just speaking of genre, but like I could go off on all right. of these aspects of AI that just completely ignored Kubrick's handwritten notes. Um, like too much like intention to be just. Yeah, so. yeah I know. Spiel- Spielberg is Hollywood. He did not like, and when people say that they were friends, they're kind of, it's not normal kind of friendship really it's like yeah they talked on the they talked on the phone they knew each other there was a certain 
dignity and respect. Right. But you can hear from Spielberg when he talks about the shit, he totally makes fun of, of Kubrick for being paranoid, for being a crazy conspiracy theorist. He, he, you know, he, he sent uh, Spielberg like a fax machine or he had him get a special fax line so that he could communicate it to him. And then Spielberg says he removed it within a week that it was keeping him up and it was bothering his wife or whatever. And it's just like, okay, so you know, and he's just laughing at it. So it's just like right. I have this real hard time thinking that there were this really close thing. And it's like they're like, oh, but uh, you know, Kubrick's brother-in-law says that he really wanted Spielberg to do it. I'm like, yeah, he's a producer. Like, I'm sorry, sure. like it sounds so cynical, but I'm like, you think maybe he might have some monetary incentive to say that this film needs to get made and Spielberg's the guy to do it, considering Spielberg will make the most money possible. So Absolutely. there's outlandish conspiracy theories around Kubrick, like you fake the moon landing and all this shit. And I'm just over here like, I, I feel like Spielberg like compromise Kubrick's vision to make more money off of his film idea. Is that crazy? <laughs> like, am I just nuts for that? But like, and I'm I'm also interested to see what he does with this uh, Napoleon series, right. the seven part Napoleon series, because I'm just like, you got Ridley Scott's coming out soon. Sir Ridley That'll Scott. That'll come out later. Uh, I know for a fact from having looked at the boxes on Kubrick's Napoleon, what he stressed in that case is that this was not, he did not want a war epic. He right. want, wanted a, he wanted story, a right? What yeah, between Josephine and Napoleon. I was probably just saying this on Twitter, but yeah, I yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just quoting you. I, like, I, I finally like, knew I, something. <laughs> oh my god. Some people get really mad if you really? if you step on their um Spielberg uh Kubrick fantasies, you know. Like right, I right. was like and I never would have thought this had I not seen what I saw in the archives and been like, yeah. Oh, and this isn't readily available. This isn't stuff you can find on the internet. This is like, you need to get you, you know, they pat you down. You put your stuff in a locker. You can't use a pen. You got to use a pencil. You're not allowed to take photocopies unless wow. not just unless if you're like a professor or even a student, if you're a professor or a student, you have to submit a request that explains specifically why you need these specific items to take Whoa. photos of them or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you have to get those arguments. So a lot of this stuff will never see the light of day uh in all likelihood yeah. you that's know, crazy like, yeah yeah i didn't even i didn't even know it existed where mm -hmm. is this anyway uh it's in london uh at a uh, elephant and castle certain, oh, okay. certain uh, uh yeah uh near is it near camberwell i can't remember but some, somewhere in that area but yeah it's you know it's 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 a it's a school it's like an art school mm -hmm. and it's a downstairs area and it's all set up like uh 2001 a space odyssey kind of like uh the like the furniture and stuff it's oh, like wow. got that That's feel funny. like yeah it's pretty funny and then you have a computer and you should ahead of time know what it is that you're looking for and look at their database which is available online you can look at oh, what boxes cool. are there online you just can't look at, at them unless if you're at the location and so mm -hmm. you tell them what which boxes you want and they'll bring them out in carts and wow, you can actually right. ask for multiples at the same time they'll bring out Wait, like three four boxes for you need like specific reasons why and that's you need really specific reasons why if you want to photocopy oh, or okay. take a photo or whatever mm -hmm. like then you need to give a good a good argument otherwise you know you 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 yeah you you have to um I mean, you can you can make an appointment like I did because I'm not a student. Like I just went in there and I and I I requested to look at different things and they brought them mm -hmm. out to me. I think anyone can do that as long as you make an appointment. You know, oh, okay. I okay. think that's still crazy.
Well, if mm -hmm. I'm ever in London again, I'll have to be visiting that place. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm really glad that I did. It was like that. Yeah. That was that was incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. The other place is Sone, uh, the Sone House. I recommend that. Was it S O A N E? Probably uh, is a Freemason collector in London who just like it's oh, like his 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 home was turned into like a museum and it's just like all these old artifacts like Egyptian and Greek you know oh, that's wow. like one of the coolest things I saw when I was in London you know um that's really yeah, cool. I, yeah I, I saw the stone house before I would any other um muse museum you know including British Museum or anything like that yeah I feel like I um I was too not too young I guess but more so like too uh uneducated or uninterested in certain things when i went to london um mm. i did go to the beatles uh massive museum in liverpool which was really, oh, okay that was pretty yeah amazing. i bet and that was that world famous uh cover band that they come out they literally it was like a four-hour show and they came out through like all the different stages of the beatles and it was really interesting because like i can only imagine if someone got like information or footage of this cover band Maybe other cover bands, but this one in particular gave me this feeling like hundreds of years from now, it's not necessarily going to be of some like rock band that people are just going to be like, what was this force or something that people they're going to think of it as Dionysian plays or something. Sure, you know sure. I mean? Yeah, word. <laughs> totally. That's really weird. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do. I do feel like with like if I listen to um, American Pie, the song American Pie. Yeah. I am just like, all I hear is the British invasion for the most part. Like, that's what that song's about. I feel like that's why it's called American Pie. Because as he goes through the song, he's talking about the day the music died. It's the uh, Big Bopper, um, uh, Valens, what is it? Yeah. Uh, Richie yeah. Valens Buddy Holly, and, Holly. and Buddy Holly. And no. but th but then he he goes from there. It's like every freaking. I'd love to just go through the song lyric by lyric because it's it's so poignant. It's I've used that word a couple times now, but it is it's like he he does it he does a thing um what's his name don mclean is that don what it McLean. is yeah Mc, mclean i don't want to say yeah. mclean because i think a diehard but that is what it is <laughs> it is it really is don, don mclean don mclean but uh you know he's he's talking about altamont he's talking about the manson murders he's talking about all these things but he's like you know at the way that he describes different people like he's talking about the jesters obviously bob dylan you know with a coat he borrowed from james dean and then but then when he when he talks about the players who are the players the players are us it's the it's the american public and he's not just the public but the the counterculture and so when he says when the players tried to take the field but the marching band refused to yield it's clear that the marching band is sergeant pepper's only heart so wow. it's like yeah. you know and so yeah the the the, the marching band wouldn't let them do their thing how is that well we had a movement, right? I'm being Captain Obvious here, but like Bob Dylan represented to some degree, like a voice of the hippie yes. counterculture movement. Yeah. And he's very cynical and all this, whatever, you know, and so are the Beatles. But the thing is that, you know, everyone jumped on board with the Beatles thing in 1969 at the height of what was supposed to be whatever the, the, the revolution, you know, yeah. they released revolution and revolution number nine, whatever. And uh, the fucking album ends with a goddamn lullaby, like go yeah. to sleep, go to like, sleep. That's, that's my takeaway from the white album It's just like, it shows you the, and it's showing you the whole of American music history, according to the Beatles. Like that's, you're listening to all these stages of American yes. music. And Absolute. then it ends wow. with this lullaby. 
Man, and, I never thought about and that. You know, there, you know, there. This is kind of creepy, and maybe, but there's like, you know, this. There's a there's a a, a white album that was signed by all the members of the Manson family. I don't know if you've ever seen that online, but yeah. you know, and but when Manson signed it, he wrote last words uh, and then no, like dash no. And you could take it that it's like last words, like she said no, or you could take it like, is this the white album, the last word, like on the sixties? Cause it's 1969, right? Is this like, and it looks like, he was like produced his own white album and it makes like objectively like i'm no i'm no i'm no fan of manson as a person but artistically there's something really interesting about that because it's like it's as though oh you're frozen can you hear me yeah (laughs) and now you're frozen on my end It's going back around. Yeah, I think. Okay, we okay, we're we're back now. Okay, just sorry. for the end, it had to come back around. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, so go but, ahead. But what, yeah. what I'll say is, is that if you look at like the Beatles, like what the, the Beatles were, they were the most propped up, like, like they had so much behind them. You know what I mean? Just like financially, just like artistically, like there's there's they're placed on this giant pedestal. Yes. And the Manson family is nobody. Like they're just bottom of the barrel, even, you know, in music, like they're like folk or whatever they are, you know, like folk or whatever, but it's like, they're the two sides, they're the two sides of the extremes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, and if you look at, um, you know, lie and the Manson family sings, although that's not Manson, but it's his songs, you know, it's like that kind of composes a white album of sorts. Like there's enough music there in those right. two albums to like kind of like be this other version of it somehow you know and what isn't I mean? there what like what's the original artwork it wasn't there like is that just a rumor or wasn't there some sort of original kind of offensive artwork on the cover of the white album and that's why it's the white album because they whited over whatever it was or i've heard that maybe before but a, i don't know if i don't, I don't know the validity either. of it yeah, yeah but but sure. that would be interesting whatever the case and yeah. so um but yeah there's like there's this thing. So like lie, like the the lie was recorded on September eleventh, I think nineteen sixty-seven. I'll have to check that. But so I think it was n- September eleventh, nineteen sixty-seven. Oh no, no, no. I take it, I I take it back. I have to look this up. There's a weird thing. There's a September eleventh recording, and then there's overdubs. There's only two recording sessions for lie. Mm. And one of them is August 9th, I think nineteen sixty-eight. Okay. And the and 1967 I think was the first recording. And yeah. so and so August 9th, you know, a year later was the day that Sharon Tate died. And so it's just like did they like come up with those dates later to try and be <laughs> clever weird? They may have done that, but they could have. Well, Wikipedia if you look this up, we'll tell you. We could look it up if we want. If you look up Charles Manson's Lie album yeah, maybe. Lie. Um, look at the 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 recording dates it's worth pointing out that charles manson lie recording date well i think it's just on the wiki but yeah okay Uh, september 11th yeah and license appeared on the cover of life magazine on december 19th 1969 uh released as an lp in 1970 Right, it's not telling you that the overdubs were recorded on August 9th, 1968. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. But that should that should be on the Wikipedia. That's crazy, though. Unless they removed it because they didn't want to freak people out or something. Probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. But uh, yeah, no. But anyway, yeah, it's just weird because it feels like a symbolic date in the first place and you have this other symbolic date that's right. like because you know i i i'm of the opinion this is whatever edgy to say but i don't care <laughs> i'm i'm of the opinion that those girls did what they wanted to do not those girls susan atkins and tex watson at least yeah tex watson that they did what they wanted to do and that i don't think that they were ever ordered to do what they did like and like when manson says i said leave something witchy should something happen you know i don't think he was expecting that they're like came home and they're like look we did this for you yeah and he's like ah oh shit because what he I said kind of is, agree yeah when she came to him and she said that he was like oh shit now i'm gonna have to go back to prison you know right it's like that kind of thing and so like oh, he, i gotta he, go see my handlers again <laughs> yeah um but so like i and, and i feel like quentin tarantino more than just like a little bit hinted at that in once upon a time in hollywood because yeah. there's a point at which it really deviates from the real story right at the end like because you're like oh where you think it's going to this is you know but it's once upon yeah. a time and where does it really shift it shifts when they're in the car and Tex Watson turns at the girls in the back and he says what Manson told him to do. And he said, you're not calling me a liar, right? I'm not a liar. And so that's in the way he says it is just like, so wait a minute here. Let's hold on. Hold the phone. Yeah, yeah. The only way that we know what was told to them and what they did is because we have to take the words of the two main people who did the killing that we know did the killing. Yeah. So like it's like that's the word that we're taking. And like, you know, it was the prosecutor that wrote Helter Skelter, you know, like the like Helter Skelter is not a reliable book for what happened. It's interesting. It's yeah, like kind of Damn, like it's my only it was my only source when I was younger. Yeah. It's Damn. most people's only source. And it came out so quickly too. So the whole public mindset around the thing. And so you know, like I, I feel like real events will happen and that all like after they happen, it doesn't take a day before all the buzzards swarm in who the, the those with perverse incentive to twist things how they want to twist them for the aims that they have. I feel like the Manson murders were used largely to change to really uh, end whatever hope or idealism that people had around communes because it's context. So like at the time, hippies were equated with communism. They're communists. And mm -hmm. so for them to have communes was like, you know, the government did not want that. Not just the government, but like law enforcement agencies, everything. It was just too hard to control and whatever. And like, yeah, communes had issues in a lot of cases, but you know, we were experimenting, we were trying different ways of being and whatever. And it was like that those murders really drove home that what had already existed as propaganda against the commune lifestyle. So yeah. it's just like immediately, like if you watch like um, inherent vice, you know, and it's comedy, but these people get pulled over and they're like, we're just want to make sure, you know, we we're, you know, it's like, what's the problem? There's not, a, this, this car is only one color. You know? <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> but like there was a level of like discrimination against hippies 
that is the equivalent of like racial stuff is like when people talk about it now it's just kind of like is it goes along with when we talk about different politicians who after the fact we all know and love right like you're for robert and john kennedy right well not everyone was at the time and we treat it like these were just revered people but they were revered by a certain subsect of the populace that you know was very much part of the counterculture movement you know especially with with robert kennedy do you know robert kennedy's next location that he was supposed to go before he was killed no he was set on the itinerary this is a fact uh to have dinner with sharon tate and roman plansky that was his next stop and actually I, i i'd have to check the exact timing but i think it was about a week before the release of rosemary's baby when robert kennedy was was killed Oh my God! Supposedly by Sirhan Sirhan, but uh, wow. Robert Kennedy Jr. has recently been, relatively recently, I think he was on what was it, um, Mike Tyson's podcast, and he <laughs> basically he made the claim, and this is censored now, uh, but you can still find it. Yeah, uh, where he he saw this, where he makes yeah, the well, claim. Well, I didn't even know it was Tyson's podcast, but I did see like the eight or nine minute clip, or it might have been like fourteen minutes, where he, where he talks about the the shots from the back up at close range, and that he's yeah. like, no shot the from Sirhan Sirhan actually hit Robert Kennedy. It hit right, other they accounted for every bullet. Yeah, and it's like, I, I mean, yeah. now granted, I don't trust politicians on televisions telling me things, so mm. I don't know why this man is playing hero right now you know i'm really black he's talking about the death of his dad yeah i know i'm just i'm I'm captain obvious again but i'm just saying like he's talking about his father it's like who do you think is going to give you the most legitimate explanation of what happened to the to their father but their son you know what i mean or who's going to give the best explanation that happened to somebody but their son you know it's just like I'm not oh, saying I hear you. That, no, that, I don't that think completely... it's fake necessarily. Yeah. It, I just again, it's like kind of stepping Grain outside of again all, all the time, right? Yeah, and I'm I just saying, kind of like, yeah, why? Why is this guy our hero now? You know, I get it. It's Kennedys, but Kennedys are fucking. That's an old, old bloodline too, and, and you know, right. people are all royalty. Not right. Royalty, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a little like. I'm, you know, it's very rare for me to be like, yeah, I like this politician. I mean, that's yeah. beyond rare. Like, has that ever happened before? Like, I kind of like Bernie Sanders when I knew he was at the podium saying some of the things that he was saying. But I also right. heard Bernie Sanders in 2016, beginning of 2016, maybe the end of 2015, refer to himself as a political sheepdog. And I had to look up the term because I didn't know what it was. And I was like, what the fuck is a political sheepdog? Yeah. I look it up. It's like, oh, somebody that gets a party all riled up and then drops out and then says, oh, go with the lesser of the two evils. You know, like that's the definition of a political sheepdog. He called himself that before yeah. he even ran. That's so it's like I didn't know <laughs> the that. first time. And so like, but at the same time, it's like I have to consider like people's position that they're in like you're like oh do you do you just do nothing or do you go along the ride they're like you can go to a podium and just speak truth to people and uh you know like i think what he was saying was largely vastly true you know especially when he got into the math of not just wealth inequality like you look at like aoc and it's like you can debunk like you know most of what she says and she's supposed to be an economics major or whatever it's like she's either an idiot or she's lying and you can find plenty of websites debunking the shit that aoc has said yeah you're not going to find websites debunk that i know of debunking the math of bernie sanders and so like it's just it's it's one of those things but like with with kennedy it's like dude like i would like years ago 
I would get into long arguments with my cousin here in Santa Cruz, uh, who would be would call himself an anti-vaxxer at the time. I don't know if he call himself that now because I think he's gotten a little more into this, the nuances of that. Right. But it's like I used to get in these arguments with him because I was like, oh, come on, man. You can't tell me that like polio, blah, 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 you know, a right. long time ago. Yeah. And uh, he kept on sending me things and he's my cousin. So I'm not just like and even even so like i'm just like that i'm not just like oh screw you i'm not going to look at what you're sending me but right. he kept on sending me stuff and kennedy robert f kennedy jr was actually the one that changed my mind on the vaccination issue uh you know this was this was uh way before covid you know it was like i was i i was stumped because i couldn't debunk the stuff that he was saying that he was sharing and he and it was all very specific very specific complaints no like general just like, ah, it's poison or whatever. He was like, no, he had the most intelligent arguments, the most succinct and reasonable arguments. And looking at his history with environmentalism and all this stuff, it's like, dude, he's taken these, he's taken so many people to court, including not people, but um, organizations like yeah. companies like Monsanto and shit and won. Yeah. And it's like, dude, that's why are we right ignoring that? Yeah. 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 It's yeah, amazing that you can talk about like the Pfizer lawsuits and people just go, it's fine. People get sued. <laughs> right. Well, a couple Pfizer, of bad apples, you know. That's right. Pfizer paid the biggest criminal fine in history. history. Second, second only to BP for their massive oil spill. Right. And what did they get the pay the biggest criminal fine for? Misrepresenting products. Exactly. And so, like, that's the thing. It's like, and that, that it's, it's true. Just because that's happened doesn't mean they're doing it again but at the same right. time it's like it should like make you question a bit and to say that you're not allowed to is kind of ridiculous oh, you know yeah. Yeah. but well, uh this has yeah. been this has been pretty epic already <laughs> i know it's not as late over where you are as it is for me so we'll probably cool it down here but um i really appreciate you coming on again i love just hearing you dictate all this crazy stuff to me. And now I'm like going to be sent off into like nine different missions on my own, which is awesome. <laughs> cool. I feel like there's stuff I'm missing, like Kubrick. Uh, there's the stuff Rings that I've the forgotten Beatles to say too. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. We'll have to, we'll just revisit this eventually. We'll just have another sure, sure. conversation at some point and we'll just brush up on some of these topics. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope that this episode wasn't too glitchy in parts and that some of that is salvageable, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, honestly, I think some of it may be a little bit glitched here and there, but for the most part, the audio was fine on my end. So I think uh, for okay. the most part, the message will get out anyway, and I'll, okay. I'll, I'll trim it down how it needs to be. But, cool, cool, but cool. anyway, um, for those who may not know your work or, or where to find you, please tell them. Uh, you, can, you can find my work at thesyncbook.com. So if you can actually, can, can you pull that up? Sure, sure. Oh, I, yeah. I'm terrible at this, guys. <laughs> it's the sync book, right? The syncbook.com, yes, sir. All right. There we go. Okay, so you can either you can either click on videos up above or you can scroll down. Right. Either yeah, way. Just... Or you can scroll down until you get to Dorothy with a light beam going through her head. There it is. Sync flicks. Sync flicks. If you go if you go here, um, uh you have oh, my most there it is too yeah, dude i'm my... watching this asap <laughs> awesome yeah so oh my god so there's this so th this this film you can here you can you can just push play and and stream it or you'll see below um if you if you do push 
oh no even if you don't so see down there it says uh, uh share itunes and download yes. so you uh, so so for some people's computers depending on their bandwidth or whatever it is uh sometimes these buffer they don't buffer for me so but i have to respond to beta tests and what people have said so yeah. if there's one of these that's inter that looks interestingly interesting enough to you i would recommend downloading it Excellent. Um, well and uh yeah so then, then um yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and so cool uh and so below this uh you'll see there's like about 200 different um sync films for st streaming and download and all you have to do is click on any of them and uh same thing it'll take it'll take you to the player um so, so yeah many this, of these are amazing too yeah so i've i've been working on this since i was in junior high and i'm 41 years old so like this is a lot of, <laughs> lot, of lot of stuff yeah. that's amazing man to be i mean so that's why i give you a lot of credit because uh, you know there's areas of alternative thinking that I've been focused on since I was 17 and I have a lot of confidence in that, in that area. You know what I mean? And it's like, right. it does take, it takes tenure. It really does take a long time because you constantly cycle through perspectives on things until you start to see your own patterns of thought, you know, and you can kind of finally coalesce an idea ideology around a certain thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you have a lot behind you here and yeah, people need to definitely, if you're not already, oh man, Marilyn, Marilyn Manson's album, We Are Chaos and House so, of Chaos. So I paired these two and I, I put the volume up between vocals through the whole thing. And it wasn't until I got to the end as I was editing it that I was like, I got all tripped out because I was like, wait a minute, I'm listening to Marilyn Manson. So Marilyn Manson plays in the credits of this movie and i was like wait what so it makes it makes sense yeah it's really That's fun if you, if you want to watch uh <laughs> paris hilton get like a metal pole through her head or whatever happens i can't remember but yeah oh yeah i don't think i ever saw that one because of paris hilton but you know the thing that's what that's what makes it funny right yeah exactly yeah yeah that's 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 it yeah before but um, you, before you oh go ahead go ahead no no no. you, you sir go ahead i uh I was curious, like, is is your choice of movie and music, is it based strictly on, like, just what you've encountered? I guess, I mean, of course, it's just what you've encountered. E but like each one is specific. And so, actually, if you scroll to the top of this again, and you mm -hmm. see that opening paragraph up there, yeah. uh, towards the end of it, it's it'll say there, it'll say uh, um, where my art is, and you can click on that. And we're sorry, Cassandra's, which it should just to bring you to the end of this. But uh, where is it? There's an interview here. Oh, there it is. So yeah, that interview um, yeah. was with Reality Sandwich, and it's a written interview. Uh -huh. uh, but I did I I lay out kind of uh, a pretty good communication around like the the my history with this work and okay what, cool you know and what the, my different ways of at, at the time when i when i did this interview my like communication around different circumstances because it's not it's not always the same you know it's like sometimes it's just date based like it's like these came out on the same day and year or something oh, okay. or some sometimes yeah. it's just like there's a connection between the creators and it's just like there's meaning to extrapolate or you know or yeah all all, all kinds of stuff that's I've, so I've, yeah it's it's really a kicker when you see like res like i saw a resonance between ex machina and under the skin 
And so I decided to like play the two films at the same time, one above the other. And I found that if you start them on the same frame, they cut to credits in the black. They cut to black for the credits on the same frame. Oh, that's so, what like, we talked about earlier with those other with uh with these two, yeah. and ET, yeah. Right. And actually these would do that if it wasn't for that one of them has like the PG rating thing at the end. And so oh. even if you go onto IMDb, it'll have one at like three seconds longer. But <laughs> the truth is is that if you line them to the same frame at the beginning, then they fade to black from the credits on the same second. And so, like, you know, the 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 PG rating thing at the end was just added. Like, that's not the original length of the film, per se. But right. IMDb will still treat it that way or Wikipedia or whatever, you know. Right. <laughs> like, right. But te- not to hide yeah. the sink, guys. They don't know. They probably have them don't even know. I think at one point you and we were talking about, uh, you know, 9-11 and uh, God, the director. I can't remember. Back to the Future. Uh Help me out here. <laughs> the uh, 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 Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, the, the crazy Zemeckis connection. You were saying, like, if I walked up to Zemeckis and was like, sir, like, please let me shake your hand and tell you what a magnum opus you have between these films or what, he's going to look at me like I have eight heads or whatever, you know? Maybe. So yeah, maybe. <laughs> you don't know necessarily. Uh, like, you know, it was jo- Joseph Gordon Levitt actually responded to. Um, Levitt responded to uh, Joe Alexander's uh, Back to the Future predicts 9-11 film. Whoa, and, what? Yeah. I don't think we talked about that. Yeah, that's actually in I left the clip in Sorry Cassandra at one point because it's just like he he he's asked, are there any conspiracy theories that you actually entertain? And he actually goes, well, there is this one that, you know, and his way of describing it is kind of like off from what Joe's actual intentions were were for his own relationship to it but it doesn't matter because he didn't present he presented his film purposely to be like a conspiracy video you know and and if he if he would have done it the way that i told him to do it it wouldn't have been a hit like because like i he showed it to me while he was working on it and i like kind of was like oh you don't want to do like a full-on conspiracy video do you like you should explain like and he was like no i want you know and like so it's then God, he didn't listen to me, you know, but like, yeah, I just want to say like, you're looking at E.T. and Poltergeist. Did you know both films end with uh, veiled Kubrick references, apparently? So mm-hmm. like, so like as E.T. takes off at the very end and there's like that rainbow behind it, they actually play the drum roll from also Spake, Spake Zarathustra from 2001 Whoa. Space Odyssey, you know, the dun, dun, yeah, dun, okay. dun. Yes, yeah. So just yeah, they... the drum roll. So they don't play the whole thing. They just give you the drums. And then um, the end of Poltergeist, they're at the second story of a motel. And uh, as the credits go, it scans along the row of rooms. And the last door that you see is 217, which is the equivalent in the book, The Shining for room 237. So it's right. like, Right. kind of like extra removed like if it was 237 i mean that's the entity already comes out of the television when it reads 237 in the morning you know like yeah. that already is there but then it, you know both movies talk about comparisons between poltergeist and et but also the shining because the shining connects in in all kinds of ways because the shining was the the overlook hotel was built on ancient indian burial ground and they right. quote had to fend off several indian attacks while building it and then when you look at poltergeist you move the tombstones but you didn't move the bodies didn't yeah. you it's the same 
the same and thing. Is, yeah. And then we Which were I, talking about things playing backwards, right? And Crowley. And it's like, okay, well, you go from 237 in the beginning of the movie back to the book in 217 at the end of the movie. Right. The movie comes yeah, first, yeah, yeah. the book, or the movie comes after the book. And it, I don't know, that's a loose one, but totally. hey. <laughs> but it has, it has like kind of a Jim Morrison Nietzsche connection, too. Uh, with the like so if you listen to like an american prayer the album even though it's it's post-mortem whatever he yeah, does well, the ghost song where he's like dead indians scattered on dawn's highway bleeding ghosts crowd the young child fragile fragile eggshell mind that whole sequence is a response to nietzsche's thing that was the basis of um uh, uh beyond good and evil where he when he was young he saw during a lightning storm his neighbor slaughter i think it was a lamb or maybe yeah. it was a goat and he saw his neighbor his neighbor's son watching him do it uh who was about his age or whatever and uh he saw what like that the man killing the animal did it at, completely out of necessity that there was like he's looking at an act and it's murder but he was doing it from such a place that it wasn't out of anger it wasn't just out of raw necessity and so he kind of that was his inspiration for beyond good and evil well jim morrison did a similar thing where he has this childhood experience that became the basis for the rest of his future life philosophy which in both cases may or may not have happened and in both cases it doesn't really matter does it right it doesn't really because it's the point it's the it's more of a philosophical point uh but you know like if you're listening to an american prayer it goes directly from that to blood in the streets in the town of New Haven, blood stains the roofs of the palm trees of Venice, blood is the rose of mysterious union, et cetera. You know, but the idea being is that, you know, we 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 built this country on bloodshed. And then the idea is, is that what we build on top of it, that's still there. And it becomes kind of like more than an allegory for repression and sublimation. So the idea is that we did this thing that we're a part of, we're connected to it and we don't want to acknowledge it, but it doesn't matter because it's still going to rise up. And just like in our personal lives, if we repress something, it finds other avenues to work itself out because it wants to be made conscious. And so it, 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 it both the, like the shining and poltergeist kind of like do a good job of conveying that idea in kind of an artistic way where it's like, this is built on something and it's still here so it's kind of like that's a statement on america in a way you know like america is like that hotel and is like that house you know what i mean yeah especially poltergeist really plays into like middle america or even upper class america and some well yeah more middle america all of testa verde is like this checkerboard heaven you know of all Mm -hmm. these houses and everything it yeah it man this is this is so right poltergeist is also a sound spirit that's what poltergeist means and so as far as like oh wow yeah and yeah that's a polter and geist geist is spirit polter is sound Wow. so yeah a spirit that expresses itself through sound which is weird because when you watch poltergeist you're like where is that why is that why is it even called yeah poltergeist is a very weird name for that movie i mean it's almost like well the haunting was taken already taken (laughs) you know what i mean right well it's not it's not necessarily a haunting even though zella rubenstein is like this house is clear or whatever and they make a point in the sequels you know which maybe shouldn't count but that it's following the girl you know which is so weird and then also that drew barrymore and heather o'rourke were very close they were best friends you know 
Whoa, I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, and yeah you'll notice that. Yeah, I, I just want to keep going, but yeah, you will no, notice if you watch this. Notice the globes when they take when before Elliot takes out the globe to show Earth and where they are or whatever to ET. You have a globe rolls across the floor and flies into the closet, and then you have like the 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 dog looks exactly the same. They're actually two different dogs um yeah. in both films but they look exactly the same and they and actually if you watch the overlay at the beginning the dog looks like it's trying to get into the et ship while it's in poltergeist and then oh at the end and then at the end of et you know the dog runs up the ramp yeah. and then runs back and like it's like as the house is disappearing in poltergeist like it's like it looks like he's running up towards the light and so it's like almost like serious like is there so uh, Night Skies, the book that, or excuse me, the screenplay that both films ultimately came out of, they make a point where it's actually in Back to the Future as well, as well, where a kid takes uh, his comic book and he goes to the adults and he's like, it's just like in the comic book, but he says they're fr they're from the Dog Star series, so that's in the script. So you have the serious reference in the script, and then it plays out subliminally in both movies with the dogs. It seems like it's fucking weird. Yeah, there... also also the sets overlap so they filmed them at the same time with overlapping sets the sets oh, no being the town yeah so you oh, can that makes see sense. some of the houses are in both movies yeah they totally look identical i was thinking that from the yeah. very beginning when we started talking about it. i'm like it's it, the setting is identical really yeah that's yeah. crazy yeah wow i yeah i can't even remember what i was just going to ask you and it's probably we'll just keep going and going okay. and i love it man I, I appreciate your conversations with you and uh yeah man i I look forward to talking to you again. I'm sure we'll chat and keep in touch. And cool. uh, yeah, thanks yeah. everybody for listening and watching and uh, catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, pacifaria. Enough, I get the point. <laughs> you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If oh. I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? <laughs> <laughs>